they're starting with the collectibles and art. This is the beginning. Everyone, it's just very easy for people to understand. But it's so early because imagine all the, the things you own in the physical world. I bet you most of the things are not art and collectibles. I, I have no art and I have no collectibles in the physical world. Zero, none of them. I used to collect stamps, but that was when I was a kid. So if, if collectibles and art represent such a small percentage out of our life in the physical world, why does everyone think this is all that we're going to own in the digital world? No, we're going to own our identity. We're going to own in-game assets. We're going to own uh, financial instruments. We're going to own real estate. The list goes on. All the things you own in the you can own clothing. Um, so that's what NFTs are. And then to end it, there's the metaverse. The metaverse is very simply a digital representation of the physical world we live in today. Hmm. That's it. Hey, this is a quick shout out from one of our awesome sponsors. Check this out. Hey guys, this episode is sponsored by Tranquil Turtle Massage. Tracy over there, the founder, she's a small town girl from Montana, loves God, loves her family, loves her friends, loves working out, fishing and camping. She has a passion for helping those in need and enjoys being creative with woodworking, crocheting, healthy baking, pottery and cooking. Look, she began her massage journey back in 2010 where she graduated from massage school up in Anchorage, Alaska. She specializes in her signature massages, the Hanu Infusion and the Hanu Ashiatsu, as well as the Gua Sha and Manual Lymphatic Drainage. If you're looking for a massage specialist and someone who could get you feeling good, go see Tracy down at Tranquil Turtle Massage. And while you're there, check out CDA Microblading, offering Coeur best tattoo brows, plasma fibroblast, tightening, and PMU services right there in the heart of downtown Coeur Make sure you book your appointment at pnwmobilemassage.com. Uh, Mauro, you're an entrepreneur, the founder of the Athena Group of Companies, which is a business conglomerate of 15 plus companies, operates in 40 countries. You're the founder of IBC Group, a partner at International Blockchain Legal, speaker, co-founder, and CEO of NFT Technologies, a dancer, and more, man. Thank you for your time, dude. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it as well. I, I like to go back to kick things off with my show. Like, where did you grow up? What was childhood like for you? Yeah, man. I uh, I grew up in a, in a, in a country that you know, it's not the best to grow up in until uh, the age of nine uh, called Lebanon. Then I migrated out of Lebanon to Australia uh, at about nine years old. So I was very, very young. Wow. But I've really lived my life in Australia. Uh, bootstrapped myself to the first company, but I would sell everything I could get my hands on. I sold chocolates. No, you're, you're, you're based in the States, yeah? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you have those in the States. I know they have them in Canada and I'm sure some States have something similar. Cadbury has a program where you get a box of chocolates and you can sell it to students within the school to raise money for a certain event or charity. Yeah. Is it yeah. also, it's probably another, which company does it in, in the US? Is Cadbury or someone else? Um, I, it's been a while. My kids didn't do it this year. I, I think, I want to say Cadbury did it for the, the Little League, the baseball teams out here though. Yeah, exactly. So, and they usually small frogs. That's the, the, the chocolate they usually sell. Okay. Um, awesome. So, so I, I was selling that in the, in the school. Then I called Cadbury directly and I, they gave me boxes and I was already in high school and I would go on Google maps, print the piece of paper and then highlight the streets and just sell chocolates door to door. So that was the first thing I did in Australia to make money. And in Lebanon, I would try to sell anything I could get my hands on, you know, cassette tapes or yeah. lottery tickets, whatever I can. Who was that entrepreneurial inspiration for you early on? A lot of people love to give a sexy answer to this. And I'm sure you've interviewed a lot of people. Could be accurate, could be not. I can't speak for them. But when I looked at studies, because I was actually curious about the subject, when I started studying what triggers someone's entrepreneurial journey, what made Elon Musk, Elon Musk, and when, 
Yeah. And it's, there's some, you know, as a species, we're such a complicated species. Our brains are so advanced. It's insane how they work that there's no one thing can pinpoint generally. There are exceptions, of course. Now, it could be that, you know, my mom was divorced and I was, you know, in a, in, in, in a single mom. Um, we struggled. That could be the reason. Or it could be a movie that I watched that triggered me. But what really triggered me to take that step from banking and finance at university to, I didn't know what entrepreneurship meant, to dropping out of university, even though I was doing really well in Monash and starting to knock on doors, um, which was the first job I got selling uh, water filters door to door was a video I watched of a boy called Farah Gray, which actually I met again on Clubhouse. When back in the Clubhouse days, I met him there by accident again. Oh, but wow. I, the story was about how he made his first million dollars at age 14. I'm like, holy shit, like I don't need to be 40 or 50 to make a million dollars. Now, obviously his story had a few factors and a few advantages that I didn't have, like a mentor, et cetera. But it just made me realize that you don't need to be a certain age. There's no, and I know it sounds cheesy, but there's no traditional path to follow to get to success for university graduation and, and work till you're 30, 40, 50. Um, and then, yeah, just dropped out, started door knocking. And then one thing led to another. And here I am. Come on, man. I mean, you started your first business with 300 bucks in the bank. You're selling blenders door to door, uh, door to door sales is tough anyways, but you end up doing a million the first year, over 10 million, the second year, man, what was the experience like for you? And did you ever through that experience want to quit? Um, quitting. Once, um, funny, I've never been asked this before, uh, even though it's a very, very, you know, pretty normal question in interviews. I can't remember being asked that question. Um, yes, once. I was, so it was nothing, you know, nothing incredible. I was, you know, I moved from door to door to, to selling online and that's how it blew up. And the, that company that you're referring to called Fruity, yeah. it's an e-commerce business. It still exists today. You know, I had a record year last year. I don't operate it myself and I'm focused on, on the, the public company, NFT Tech. But that, still runs in the background and does extremely well. But when I started, you know, getting to a million, 10 million, it never clicked how much money I was making. I never, I still go to the movies every Sunday in the cinema I would still, or eat normal food. And I would work 24 seven. I had no life for, for the majority of my life. I had no life, including childhood zero. Um, so my life wasn't different. The day I, I thought about potentially quitting was a day where, you know, we had a shipment come in and it was all faulty. When I say all faulty, I mean, Every single piece was faulty. Oh, I'm like, is that, is that, and I had to call all these customers and it was just me mainly. And um, yeah, that was like, is, you know, is that really worth it? But that thought barely lasted a few seconds because I'm like, what's the, what's the alternative? I've never, there's nothing else I could do that can make me that type of money, at least back then. Yeah. And I just kept going. Come on, man. I love that mentality of it. I want to jump into the metaverse here and a few other things for the moment, because a lot of folks are still pretty dazed and confused. I would say when it comes to metaverse web three, decentralized and centralized, like, can you give a dumbed down version of what the metaverse web three um, and that yeah, stuff yeah, is? Yeah. I'm really good at dumbing it down because I've done it so many times for people yeah. entering the space. And I've done it you know, from, from, from uh, podcasts to, to events, to, to TEDx. I've gone through the same story time and time again. It's not that complicated. Anyone that overcomplicates it or is confused as kid, it's extremely lucrative mm. and extremely simple to understand. When I say extremely lucrative, it's ridiculously, ridiculously lucrative. Imagine the internet in the 90s. I know you've heard that comparison before, but it, there's no better comparison. The internet in the 90s. Now, what is it? Okay, Mario, you've excited us. What is it? Well, yeah. NFTs, let's start with NFTs. There's all that hype around NFT. And... Before I tell you what NFTs are, 
I should know what they are. I'm, I'm the, 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 the founder and co-founder and CEO of a company called NFT Tech, and we're publicly listed with the NFT ticker. Um, I was just speaking to someone on the phone um, just before this, literally before this, Jason, and he owns the handle at NFT. And I know the guys that own NFT.com. So everything to do with NFTs, I'm very involved. Now, what are NFTs? They're not digital art. They're not collectibles. Just get this out of your head. That's going to become like a shock to many people because that's all they hear about. Right. NFT is a technology that allows you to own something online. It allows for digital ownership. What do I mean by this? Well, on Instagram, do you really own your photo? Can you take that photo that actually take up that photo and put it in another app? You can only copy paste it, but you can't take the actual ownership. In a game, let's give you a better example. In a game, when you buy a gun, can you take that gun and sell it on eBay? Can you move it to another game? You can't because you don't own that asset. The platform owns it and they kind of lend it to you or they say that you own it. There's like third parties that say you own something. It's yeah. not like here, this is mine. There's no, no one enforcing it. There's no proof it's mine. It's, these are my AirPods because they're in my pocket. These, this is my watch because I'm wearing it. My headphones because I'm wearing them. My T-shirt, the stuff in my suitcase is there. Physics allows me to put it in my suitcase, so it's mine. But that, that concept doesn't exist technologically. It wasn't possible until 2018. NFTs started with you know the, the crypto kitties and crypto punk hype and they're starting with the collectibles and art this is the beginning everyone it's just very easy for people to understand but it's so early because imagine all the, the things you own in the physical world i bet you most of the things are not art and collectibles i i have no art and i have no collectibles in the physical world zero none of them i used to collect stamps but that was when i was a kid so if, if collectibles and art represent such a small percentage out of our life in the physical world, why does everyone think this is all that we're going to own in the digital world? No, we're going to own our identity. We're going to own in-game assets. We're going to own uh, financial instruments. We're going to own real estate. The list goes on. All the things you own in the you can own clothing. Um, so that's what NFTs are. And then to end it, there's the metaverse. The metaverse is very simply a digital representation of the physical world we live in today. Hmm. that's it so like we're having a zoom interview now instead of meeting face to face i was you know i was on a whatsapp call before this i'm probably going to check instagram a bit and relax my brain uh, you know it's been a long day this is all the same stuff we would do 10 20 30 40 50 years ago in the physical world socializing business interactions you know building value business socializing belonging entertainment now we do them in the digital world we're already living in that metaverse and all that's happening now is that metaverse is becoming more immersive and the concept of ownership is existing in that metaverse. That's where it all comes together, NFTs in the metaverse. And that's a whole new ecosystem, a whole new opportunity for any entrepreneur or investor to look into. It's so amazing to see what they're doing. I was at a, a, a conference earlier this year and we were walking around in like in the central land, right? And seeing NFTs and the digital space and the real estate in there. And just the, the growth of that is insane. What things do you think we can or what, what things are we doing right now that will be able to happen in the metaverse? Yeah, so it will be, I've said this quote so many times, I feel guilty every time I say it because it's been so many times, but it's so applicable. The human brain overestimates the short-term impact of innovation, overestimates, but underestimates the long-term potential. So mm. when, we look at, when we looked at cars, people thought cars are stupid and only for the wealthy to show off. Now, and horses were better because the roads were like broken and horses would not break down and stuff. Obviously, it's changed. Um, our, uh, lighting, lighting was seen as a luxury. 
um, the internet was seen as something for a certain applications like email and that's it. Yeah. And look at the internet now. So it's the same thing here. People, but that's the long-term, underestimating the long-term. But in the short-term, the hype around the internet is a good example. All one bubble, everything was dot-com. No, things take time. Short-term, not the world's not going to change. And we see that in crypto. So how does that apply to your question? We're not going to see all, everything we do in our physical world suddenly happen in the digital world. We're not going to see a ready player one world yet. It's going to start step-by-step. Step. It's already been happening step-by-step. Step. We started with email, MSN Messenger, which was like live chat. Then yeah. YouTube, then moved to Netflix. Now you've got the Oculus, um, uh, phone calls, moved to, to, to Zoom meetings. Um, so we will see a similar evolution with the metaverse. We'll see the initial applications will be things that we'll relate to that would make short-term practical sense. Business meetings. Imagine your business meeting being more immersive in a 3D environment. We can actually shake your hand and feel it. That's wow. a, is it or, or meeting your family and friends and family. These are easy ones to understand. Gaming is an easy one. Gamers are the early adopters. So gamers already live in that digital world. They already operate in that digital world. All we're doing now is making it more immersive and then adding NFTs to allow them to own their assets so they can move it from one gaming world to another. So to ask your question, it's mainly the things that we relate to. And long term, it could potentially be almost everything that we do. Yeah. Yeah. So good, dude. I, I wanted to jump over, like you mentioned earlier, um, you're the co-founder and CEO of NFT Technologies. Uh, for those who don't know, like what does NFT Technologies do? What projects are you guys working on right now? Yeah, so NFT Tech is a, is a public company. Uh, we were listed about two weeks ago under the ticker NFT in Canada and recently in yesterday, I think in Germany Come on. Uh, and Europe. So we're essentially a portfolio company. So someone getting into this space, and I don't want to seem like I'm shilling the company. I'm just explaining what it does. Someone that wants to get into the space to understand where to invest in NFTs and metaverse, it's, it's a maze. It's a very dangerous maze because what happens is, I don't know how deep you're in crypto, Eric, but you know that a lot of the people that are insiders, or I'm not talking about insider trading, but they know their stuff. They get in very early to projects and then the poor retail investors come in, in most cases, too late. And they get dumped on because they, you know, get caught on in the hype. They don't know where to invest. You know, if I tell anyone, hey, you should invest in in-game assets, I mean, they're like, which game should I look into? They don't know about Star Atlas. They don't know about Axie Infinity or Cedars Heroes or Illuvium. But these are very, very common knowledge for people like me who've been in the space since 2017 and even earlier. Mm -hmm. So what does NFT Tech do? We, in, we make those investments. So we essentially get that exposure early to projects and the right opportunities. And then all that people need to do if they want to get exposure to the space is buy our stock. So they go on, on let's say, NEO on, in Canada and they put NFT, that's a ticket, which is our NFT technologies. When they buy the stock or, or fund managers, when they buy the stock, they essentially have exposure to the space without needing to know everything about the space. Mm, gotcha. Come on. Yeah, I, I have very little crypto, less than probably maybe $1,000 in there, right? Not like uh, between Bitcoin, Ethereum, and some other smaller coins there. Where do you see the future of crypto going right now? Is it, I mean, because we're kind of seeing this big drop and then it goes up, big drop and then goes up. Oh, same shit, different day. Yeah, yeah. I was just talking, as I said, I was talking to Jason from the NFT handle earlier to this very, very influential guy in crypto. Um, and uh, we were just, I, I just said to him, like, now is the time to shop. Um, not, not investment advice, everyone could go down a lot longer, could yeah. go on for no one knows, no one knows. That's, that's yeah. why dollar cost averaging is the best way to invest in anything. Um, but the reason I say this is that it goes up, it goes down, it goes up, it goes down. It's, it's like any, any innovation. And what happens is as an innovation matures, those ups and downs, those cycles will be smaller. Like in the, if you look at Amazon stock, 
and she was very volatile, especially after 01. Bang, almost went to zero. And then it continued being volatile afterwards, probably 2008, COVID, et cetera. But as the company matured, that volatility and, and gradually went up, but that volatility became less and less and less. We've seen that in crypto. It was extremely volatile in 2014. Bitcoin was insanely volatile. Uh, and then 2017 was extremely volatile. Now it's still volatile, but less than what it was before. Yeah. So we're seeing the space mature. Um, we're really excited in in-game assets. Um, so, you know, we look at NFTs that have some sort of utility, have a reason to exist, whether it's like a spaceship in a game that gamers need to use to be able to play a game and win things. Um, fashion is a big one for us. We're invested in a company called Faith Tribe that allows you to wear uh, anyone's brand on the, they have a launch pad that we're doing together, a fashion launch pad. We, we allow any fashion brand to create a digital version of their brand. If you look at anyone wearing, you know, brand, so if you see my t-shirt here, I hate. It. I used to hate branded clothes. Okay, I used to yeah. be the most fucking humble guy. I would never wear branded clothes all my life. Everyone knew me as the guy that looks homeless. Okay. Then um, a month ago, they convinced me to start wearing branded clothes, as you can see here. And the reason is, it works. It signals in business that hey, I'm successful. It's stupid, but it works. I'm like, okay, cool. So for business meetings, and I do it for interviews now as well. I wear branded clothes to signal that to have that impact. Now, for some, it's douchey. For many, it's good, uh, but it has that that utility. Now, that same utility exists in the digital world. So when you're working, walking around in a game or you mentioned Decentraland, so imagine someone walking in with, with, with you know, whatever, Dolce Gabbana or Dior in that place. They're signaling to the world that they have a strong brand. They, you know, they can wear a Rolex. So the same utility as fashion has in the physical world has in the digital world. So these utility-based NFTs is what's interesting to us especially ones focused on gaming because i think gaming is the 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 adoption the early adoption cycle of the space mm. so good man so good and wanted to go back to kind of your experience as an entrepreneur what what is your greatest failure holy shit man in 2018 eric i man it's pretty known in the crypto space so i got scammed really bad my other company ibc so i'm the founder of a company called ibc which is an incubator in the space and that was killing it in 2017 when I launched it. it. was one of the biggest, was doing extremely well, extremely well. And then I got scammed by someone that was leading it, who we have legal action against him now. He's still running away. But wow. I lost millions. In that same month, I was, uh, my other, in that same year, sorry, my other company, Fruity, got screwed by our supplier. We also have a pending legal case where they, long story, they screwed us. Uh, Chinese suppliers, so it was harder to chase them. Uh, so that was going through a tough time. And in that same month as the IBC scam, I was diagnosed with a tumor, a pituitary adenoma, which I didn't know what it was before. It was just bleeding on that day. And they said they need urgent surgery. So if you want failures, I've got a lot of them. That was probably the biggest one, having two companies struggle in the same year and having that personal uh, setback. My gosh, man. I'm so glad that you're here though, man, and, and doing much better. Yeah, I'm glad I'm here too. Man. I'm Come on, man. <laughs> so awesome. One of your hobbies is dancing. When did you start dancing, man? And, and this is just something you do for fun or do you compete in it? Now, I don't compete. My dancing partner wants to compete, but I go as a, you know, I, I, I go as an artist. So I get the attention and stuff as an artist, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, I started it when I watched a movie called Scent of a Woman, Al Pacino. Have you seen it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back in the day. That's, it's insane. I was watching clips of, I haven't seen it for years. I was watching it on the plane last night. Um, yeah, it's, it's an incredible movie. Incredible. You should watch it again, man. It's, it's, it's incredible. Uh, but yeah, so in that movie, you remember when you watch, when you dance tango, yeah? 
Mm-hmm. Yes. I was obsessed in, if so when I was much younger, I was obsessed in my personality. I would practice how to speak. I would practice how to walk. I would watch James Bond, man, and, and practice how he speaks and talks. Um, yeah. And I wanted to perfect everything about myself, uh, knowledge, uh, physique, martial arts, everything. I wanted to be like as the best version of myself. And um, one of the things I wanted to do is dance after I saw Al Pacino dance. So I started doing tango and that evolved into salsa and now bachata. And, and thankfully I still do, I continue doing it as like an exit, an escape away from the, uh, the perils and the hardships of entrepreneurship. It's, it's an sure. ugly, ugly, uh, difficult life at times. Oh, for sure, man. Well, I have one last question for you. I'm a big music guy. So I'd love to ask the question, like, what's the type of music that you like to listen to? Or do you have a favorite band that you like? Uh, do you know, suicide, anyone listening would love this. Do you know this channel, Suicide Cheap? Suicide yeah. Cheap on YouTube. No, huh? They have an, the best mix of music. I, okay. I love it. They're, so it, it, it's music that most, you wouldn't hear on the radio, but it's really, really cool, really, uh, usually emotional. So Suicide Cheap, pretty silly name. They're okay. pretty well known. Um, but I, I change, like I listen, I listen to usually pretty cheesy music, you know, I've listened to, what's that movie, the, what's that guy that, the, the, I, don't, I don't remember the name, he's on a horse, very famous horse, he's an African-American guy on a horse, uptown, uptown, uptown road, no, uptown road. Oh, Bruno Mars? No, not Bruno Mars, damn it, no, I know who Bruno Mars is, oh. I love Bruno Mars as well. Yeah, um, but no, I listen to commercial music. But recently, I've started listening to a lot of Latin music. Ozuna, any yeah. anyone that? Oh, you know Latin music? Oh, no, I mean I I, oh. I know of Latin music, but I don't know any yeah. artists. Yeah, there's an artist called Ozuna. He's incredible. He's my favorite artist right now. Okay, man, that's awesome, dude. Dude, Mario, this is such a great conversation. Thank you for sharing your story, man, and what you got going on. You're an absolute world changer, dude. I'm excited to see what you guys got going on in the future, man. Truly an honor to have you on, man. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for checking out the show today. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to take a listen or watch. It's truly an honor to be able to speak with such amazing guests, and I hope that they've made an impact on your life in some way, shape, or form. And you can do me one big favor. That would be huge. Click that subscribe button, and then second favor, hit that share button. Thank you so much for taking the time. I appreciate you. Keep changing the world. I believe in you.